Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. Amen. Very well. Thank you so much. Go ahead and take your Bibles this morning and find two passages, if you would. The first one, Colossians chapter 3, is where we'll start this morning. Colossians chapter 3, and then you can also find Romans chapter 7. We'll be there as well for the majority of the message, but we're going to start in Colossians chapter 3. And so, we'll be there in just a moment, but hold your place in Romans chapter 7. We have been going through the book of Colossians now for the last several weeks, and we find in Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 1, the scripture says, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for you're dead And your life is hid with Christ in God. Then the scripture says in verse number 4, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall shall ye also appear with Him in glory. As we've been going through this book of Colossians, we have seen the theme of the book to be when Christ is our life. And we've seen in each of these passages the outcome of uh, what happens in our lives when we indeed do make Him our life. We completed the four chapters last week, and this morning I want to uh, preach to you uh, out of Romans chapter 7 to answer the question, why should we make Christ our life? So if we see the results and we see everything through uh, Colossians chapter or Colossians, the book of Colossians, chapters one through four, the the question that you might be having would be why? Why should I do this? Uh, There are some benefits to it, of course. And what I want to do is talk to you about this. And and so I want you to turn to the book of Romans. And we'll be in chapter seven as we try to establish some reasons as to why we should make Christ our life. We'll begin reading in verse number 15 as we see this. The Scripture says in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that, I, or that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now, then is it no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that 
I would not. It is more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. And look what Paul writes to this church at Rome in verse number 24. He says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. As we see here in Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul is faced with a uh, complex, really complex thing in his life. To summarize what we just read, what Paul is saying here to this church at Rome is that, number one, he's a wretched man. He says, I, I, I want to do that which is right, but every time I go to do that which is right, and I have a choice to make, I choose the wrong thing but I want to do what's right. But I often find myself doing what is wrong. I would dare say that every one of us in this room this morning, as we read through this passage and see the struggle that the Apostle Paul was in, we would have to say and could probably take as our life verse, verse number 24 of Romans chapter 7, O wretched man that I am. Because we all can identify with this. We can all identify with the fact that while we want to do right in our life, while we want to follow God in our life, we find ourselves often doing that which is wrong. How does that stop? Does it stop? I mean, if the Apostle Paul, who was probably one of the greatest Christians that have ever lived, struggled with this, will we ever be able to get past it? Will we ever be able to get past this wretchedness that is in our life? But I want you to notice something. As he says in verse number 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He says, who shall deliver me? But Then he says this in verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Jesus Christ. You see, in Colossians, Paul said, when Christ, who is our life, who is our life, shall appear, we shall appear with Him in glory. We're going to appear with Him. And so we hear, he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, so then with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. This morning, I want to again talk to you on this topic. Why make Christ your life? Let's pray together, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that you have given to us the ability 
you have given to us the availability of making your Son, Jesus Christ, our life. And God, I pray this morning that you would use these two passages from your Holy Word to first make sense in our mind and in our heart. That we might make changes where necessary. God, that we would understand the benefits of making Christ our life. That we would not only have the benefits, but also the bonuses that come along with it. And God, I know in my heart of hearts this morning that I can identify with your Apostle Paul as he said, oh, wretched man that I am. And God, I'm certain that each one of us in the room this morning could identify with this as well, knowing that even though we strive to do what is right, even though we strive to choose what is the right thing, we know that there is often times that we choose the wrong thing. We choose the wrong reaction. And God, I pray this morning that you would help us to have just a little bit better understanding of what it is and what it means to have Christ as our life. Father, help us in this. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. I want you to see, first off this morning, as we ask ourselves, why should we make Christ our life? Why should we do this? The first thing I want you to see this morning is because of the battle that we have from within. The battle that we have from within. Uh, we have to understand that when it comes to making Christ our life, it is a daily choice. It's a daily choice that we have to make, a specific choice that we must make, but we have a daily battle of choosing. Now, Paul says in verse number 15 of Romans chapter 7, he says, For that which I do, I allow not. And so this is not a question within this passage of whether we understand something to be right or wrong. Now, I would dare say in our culture today, uh, we have definitely uh, gotten this idea that as long as we say something is right, then it's okay. And if we say that something is wrong, then it becomes wrong. But I want to remind you that right and wrong is not determined based upon our belief in something. Because again, as people, we can, we can learn to justify a great number of sin. We learn to justify because I want to do it or because it feels right. And that, that is definitely a way of our society today. If it feels right, do it. Well, no, probably not. Uh, if it feels right, you might want to take a step back and say, uh, yeah, should I? And that's what Paul is getting at here. He's saying, I have this internal battle that is taking place on whether I should do something or not. And he says, we have this daily battle of a choice, but we also have a daily battle of understanding who we are. We have a daily battle of understanding who we are today. Who am I? What does God want from me? 
He says, that, that I do not. He says, that which I should or that which I would, that do I not, but, that what, I, or, but what I hate, that I do. Think about this battle this morning. As we read through Romans chapter 7, you know you can identify with this. You know when it comes down to this choice that you have a battle. And it is a battle sometimes. You know, sometimes just in our flesh, we have a choice to make and the flesh gets the better of us, doesn't it? I mean, our flesh just, it comes in and it's like, bam, there it is. Even though we know something is wrong. We might even think, I, I've, I've had this, this thought in my mind before. Someone has done something or said something or even texted something, uh, and, uh, and I've told myself, don't react that way. Don't react that way. And yet, I reacted that way. Anybody identify with that? Or is it just me? All right, a couple of you. Thank you, Maury. Appreciate that. Did you raise your hand too? Man, I appreciate that. We can identify with that. And again, when we think about a, a giant in Scripture like the Apostle Paul, and he says, that which I would or should, I don't do. But identify with this. He says, that which I hate. That's what I end up doing. Why? I hate doing that. I hate the result of when that happens. I hate when that choice is made and I choose wrong. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, but yet, oh, I do it. What's the deal? What gives? He reminds us. He says, there's sin in your flesh. He said, but wait a minute, Pastor, I, I'm saved and, and I'm trying to make Christ my life. Shouldn't this battle be won? We have to understand who we are. That's one of the reasons I'm convinced that the Apostle Paul is giving us this passage of Scripture this morning because he wants us to understand who we are. And we have this battle within. It's a daily battle. We have to understand who we are. We're sinners. May I remind you that we're sinners at our best. At our best, we remain sinners, saved only by the grace of God. Saved only by the grace of God. We have a daily battle of understanding who we are. We have a daily battle of thanking God for who He is. Do you thank God for who He is? I mean, notice this. As Paul goes through this, he says, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. He says, I can't even figure this thing out. But then he says again in verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? In the very next verse, he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
How often do you thank God? Does something have to happen in order for you to thank Him? Shouldn't be. But I will tell you, we have a daily battle of thanking Him. But I will tell you that once we have a better and proper understanding of who we are, thanking God becomes much easier. Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. Paul says, do you understand who I am? I'm a wretched man. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Listen, we spend, we spend much time today. We spend a lot of time today, again, in our culture, our society, but it's stretched all the way into the church. We spend much time today trying to fool people, including ourselves, of who we are. And yet Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am. And I don't believe he's putting on airs. I don't believe he's trying to, uh, to do anything like that. He is just trying to help someone else understand, ourselves included, of who we are. But more importantly, who is God? Do we thank Him for who He is? He is the one that set up our salvation and provides salvation for us to be delivered. Therefore, he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, God's gift. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. With the flesh, the law of sin. Listen, why do we make Christ our life? Why should we? Why do we need to? Well, listen, there's a battle within. And we're going to fight every day. Well, let me say also, number two. There's also some benefits within. When we learn to make Christ our life, there are some benefits that come with it. Check out Colossians chapter 1, if you will. Kind of highlight some of these things here. to Remind you what's taking place within. Colossians chapter 1, we see again Paul writing and going through this. Let me get there, that'll be helpful. But in Colossians chapter 1, in verse number 5, he says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before, the word of, before in the word of the truth of the gospel. You know, one of the benefits of making Christ our life and for having Christ be our life is the fact that there is a hope that lies in Him. Listen, listen. when we consider and we think about, and somebody asks you and says, hey, when you die, are you going to go to heaven? I've, I've asked people this question a lot, and, and you know one of the most given answers? I hope so. I hope so. Well, listen, our hope, any hope that we have, is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. And it's interesting to me that when, whenever somebody says, I hope so, 95% of the time, 
Their hope lies in nothing of Jesus Christ. Because you see, when somebody says, I hope so, well, I hope, I hope I'm going to go to heaven. I hope. I always ask them, why do you hope that? Why do you hope that? I've had a lot of different answers over the years in talking to different people and sometimes people I don't even know. The answer is usually not, well, I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Now, I've had, I've had some different answers. I've had answers like, well, I was baptized as a child. Folks, let me remind you, baptism doesn't get anyone to heaven. I've had answers like, well, you know, I try to do good. Try to do good. I try to help people. I try to do more good than bad. I've had that answer. I've had the answer of, well, I'm a church member. Church membership won't get you there. Doesn't get you there. Any hope that we have to get to heaven only comes through Jesus Christ. That's it. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's the only hope we have. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now look, we have a battle within. I want to do what's right, but I don't. When I strive to do that which is right, I don't. When I look and I say, I don't want to do that, I end up doing it. There are some benefits to making Christ my life. The first benefit is the fact, and notice he says, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. The hope that is laid up for you in heaven. Whereof ye heard before the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it do, doth also in you since the day ye heard it, and knew the grace of God in truth. Listen, it only takes once. You only got to be saved once. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. It only takes one time. Notice he said, from the day ye heard it, and responded to it, and trusted in it by the grace of God. That's the hope that we have. I'll tell you, there's some benefits. I like benefits. You know, sometimes we, uh, people go for a job interview and they want to know, okay, uh, uh, what, what am I going to make? What am I going to make? What's going to happen? If I take this job and I do this job, what's going to happen? Well, we'll pay you this much. Okay. And then they'll say, plus, we have these benefits. And you can fill in the benefits, and all kinds of different benefits are different. But I will tell you, there's a benefit of trusting and knowing that Christ is your life. Is that you now have a hope. Before Jesus Christ entered your life as your Savior, you were without hope. But one of the benefits of making Christ your life is there is now hope that is within. 
And our hope lies in him. I'll tell you in verse number 14, if you look at, continue looking in chapter 1, not only is there a hope that lies within, but there is a redemption. Verse number 14 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Look, Paul is saying over here, he's saying, man, that which I do, I don't want to do. And I have this battle with him. And he says, hey, look, you've got a hope in Jesus Christ. You have a hope in him. But you also have redemption. Because guess what? At the end of the day, you're a sinner. And any redemption that you and I have only comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of sin. We've been forgiven. What a wonderful thing. In chapter 2, in verse number 20, he says, or sorry, verse number 10, he says, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. He says, our hope lies in him, our redemption lies in him, and by the way, our completion lies in him. You've been completed. From the day of that new birth, from the day that you trusted Him and He redeemed you, you have a now have a hope because you've been redeemed and He has completed you in Him. And it says it very plainly right there. Ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. Completeness. Nothing more needs to be done. You're complete in Him. And I would tell you our power lies in Him. We get into chapter 3, of course, again, we read it earlier, but again, he says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then ye shall also appear with Him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. In the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off these things, or these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of Him that created Him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew nor circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another. Forgiving one another, if any man hath a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of God Dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all 
in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Our power lies in Him. Listen, there is no way, there is no way possible for you and I to put off the old man without his power. There is no way for us to put on the new man without his power helping us. Listen, there's a benefit from within. Yes, we have a battle. And that battle is real and that battle is raging. But when Christ is my life, I have some benefits. How can I learn to do that which is good and that which is right? Well, I have a benefit if Christ is my life. If I'm over here trying to do all of this on my own, I'll lose every time. But when I have the benefit of Christ being my life, there is a hope that lies in Him. There is a redemption that lies in Him. There is a completion and a power that only lies within Him. So we have a battle within. We have some benefits from within. But can I submit to you, number three, this morning, we have a balance from within. Notice in chapter 3 and verse number 2, he says, Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. When Christ becomes our life, there is a balance in our outlook. How do you look at things? Do you see things differently? I tell you, every day we ought to consider eternity. Eternity. Is this what is taking place today going to make a difference in eternity? We get upset about the silliest of things, don't we? Sometimes. I mean, man, we just, it, it, it's just silly stuff. From time to time, my children will, well, they'll have arguments. They'll have disagreements. One of the things that I've noticed is that some of the silliest things they can get upset about. I don't do this every time, but... When I have one of my kids that's upset, or and it doesn't even have to be at one of the other kids, it could be about anything. I'll ask this question. Is, is what you are upset about going to matter in two hours? You ever ask yourself that before? I mean, we get again, we get bent out of shape over the silliest of things. Is it going to matter two hours from now? You know, I will tell you, I've asked myself that question. And there are some things where I've had to say, it's not going to matter. In two hours? If it's not going to matter in two hours, is it worth getting upset about? That's a real question you can answer. If it's not going to matter in two hours, is it worth getting upset about? No. I'll answer it for you. It's not. Then I'll ask, is it going to matter in two days? Probably not. Is it going to matter in two weeks? Two months? 
is it going to matter in two years? Am I still going to be upset about this in two years? Probably not. So why am I so upset now? You ever had an issue with somebody? Of course you have. But have you ever had an issue with somebody? I mean, you're just really upset at them. I'm not going to talk to them. I'm not going to deal with them. And, and then it's gone on so long that you've forgotten what you were upset about? I mean, what, what did they do that was so awful that you haven't spoken to them in two years? What did they do? I just know I'm upset at them. And I know they're upset at me. Is it going to matter? Probably not, but we make it matter sometimes. We make it matter sometimes. But here's the largest of the questions. Is it going to matter in eternity? If it's not going to matter in two hours, or two days, or two weeks, months, or years, will it matter in eternity? Oh yeah. It certainly will. Because my reaction today, the Bible says and reminds me, in the book of Corinthians, that I will give an account for my responses. You will give an account for your responses in eternity. And if it's not going to matter in two hours, or two days, or two weeks, or two months, or two years, where will it matter? You see, that ought to help me when Christ is my life, to be able to say, I'm not going to respond in that way. I'm going to fix that. I'm going to put off the old man and put on the new man. Why? Because there is a battle. There is a battle within. I can win that battle when Christ is my life. I can, help, I can be helped in this and it can balance out my outlook when I set my affection on things above. Not on things on the earth. Listen, not only is there a balance in my outlook, but there can be a balance in our battle. Again, we have this battle from within, and, and, and I want to make Christ my life, and if He's my life, there, there comes a balance in the battle. But we have to put off the old man, and we have to put on the new man. When you look at the end of chapter 3, he goes through all of this, and notice Notice this, as he says in verse number 5, mortify your members. In verse number 8, he says, put off these, the old man with his deeds. Then he says, put on these things. Like, can I tell you that it's going to bring balance not just in your outlook, not just in your battle, but can I tell you, when Christ becomes your life, it's going to bring a balance in our relationships. Why else? If you think about this, does the apostle put these last verses in with this? Put off the old man, put on the new man. 
Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. As it's fit in the Lord, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ." But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all praying for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for that also which, or for, for which I also am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. You want balance in your relationships? Make Christ your life. Make Christ your life. You want the battle to be easier? Make Christ your life. You want to have the right outlook? Set your affection on things above. Not on things on the earth. For when Christ, who is our life, oh, there's some benefits, but there's a balance that takes place. Again, why do I make Christ my life? Why should you make Christ your life? Well, there's a battle that rages within us. It rages within us. But when Christ is our life, we have the battle to win that battle. Or we have the power to win that battle. Let me say it that way. We have benefits that when Christ is our life, they're amazing. A hope that is real. A redemption that is real. A completion that is complete. And a power to bring balance that we're looking for. It only comes when Christ is our life. Again, whether it's in our outlook, our battle, or our relationships, making Christ your life is what you're looking for. You might be here this morning and you understand the battle within. And I want to do right, but I can't. The question I have for you is, have you ever trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? The hope that I'm talking about, the redemption I'm talking about, being completed for that power, have you trusted Christ as your Savior? He wants to save you. He died to save you. But the Bible tells us, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, that means anyone, for whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Do you have the everlasting life you're looking for? You're longing for? He can help you win that battle. 
But you've got to trust Him. For the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I don't know where you're at today, friend. But I can tell you this, Jesus makes all the difference. You say, I'm here this morning. And pastor, I've trusted Christ as my Savior. I know for sure that if I were to die today, that heaven would be my home. But I also have a battle within that I'm losing. Well, have you made Christ your life? Have you made Christ your life? You see, that can be the difference. Are you still your life? Are you still at the forefront? Is it all about what you want, what you decide, and all of that? And Christ is never considered in your life? I'll tell you, as long as that's the case, you'll lose the battle. You'll continue to lose the battle. Christ has to be your life. If you want to win the battle within, Christ has to be your life. If you want the benefits and enjoy the benefits, then Christ has to be your life. If you want to balance in your Christian walk, in your Christian life, Christ has to be your life. You say, well, why should I do all of this? That's why. That's why. Are you tired of life? Make Christ your life. Make Christ your life. Can I say that again? Make Christ your life. Some wonderful benefits there. The balance is tremendous. And when you get out of balance, and you will, it'll be because you've put something else at the center. And so then you know it's an easy fix. Bring Christ back to the center. Bring Him back. Two invitations this morning. Just two. If you need to trust Christ as your Savior, I invite you to do so. We have people here that can take the Word of God and show you how you can know for sure that when you die in this life, that eternal life can be yours. We'd love to show you. You may be here this morning and you say, I just need to make Christ my life. I invite you, simply make Christ your life. Put them at the center. Enjoy the benefits. Enjoy the balance that will come and be in your life as you begin to win the battle within every day. It's possible, but Christ must be your life. You must make Him your life. We'll have every head bowed, every eye closed this morning.